Welcome to the Jackie Service Show. I'm Jackie Service, where we are talking all things people strategy, entrepreneurship, and how hiring the right humans will unlock the next phase of growth in your business. As a former corporate VP of HR, my life completely shifted when I learned I had a brain tumor. From this moment forward, I knew that there was more. I dove headfirst into healing, mindset work, and spirituality. And from this space, my entrepreneur journey was born. Now I am a people strategist and founder of Serve Recruitment Agency, a boutique recruitment firm that helps scaling companies hire aligned leaders for growth. In this podcast, I'm going to share about my business journey, entrepreneurship, leadership, and how hiring the right humans unlocks massive potential. Welcome to the show. Are you confused about hiring? You're not alone. Majority of leaders struggle to figure out who they need, in what roles, and when, and how these people will have the greatest impact on the growth of their business. This is why we created People Strategy Sessions to do a deep dive into your business and help you build a clear roadmap on the talent you need to drive sustainable growth. We dive into your greater why, where you are today in your business, where you want to go in your business from a growth standpoint, and ultimately, who do you need to enable that growth overall? For more information, please send an email to Jackie at JackieService.com or feel free to reach out at JackieService across all platforms. Welcome back to another episode of the Jackie Service Show. Get ready, folks. We're about to drop in. We're going to have a real deep and meaningful conversation today because the guy sitting in front of me knows nothing else than having deep and meaningful conversations. Chad Brown, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me, Jackie. I'm so excited to be here. Uh, It's like long overdue. My heart is just so full to see you and be able to spend this time with you and frankly, to share you with anybody that is going to tune in and listen here because you've made such an immense impact on my life and I'm excited for others to get to know you. Man, anytime that I can get some Jackie time, I'm in no matter what it is. So I'm happy to be here. I appreciate that so much. I appreciate it. Well, we go rapid fire to kick it off because it gets the listeners to know who you are a little bit more, where you are in the world, and then we're going to dive into the good stuff. Let's go. All right. Where's home? I live just south of Salt Lake City in Utah, about 40 minutes south of Salt Lake. If anybody's familiar with the area, I'm in the or I'm in Orem. So we're right at the base of the Wasatch Mountains. Uh, in fact, my family's taking off to go skiing right now, and then it'll be 17 minutes to the lift, and then they'll be in deep, deep powder. We love it here. Oh, that's amazing. And is this hometown? Is this where you're from originally? Yeah, I grew up in this area. Uh, my wife, Katie, uh, she grew up in Anchorage, Alaska, came here uh, early on. So we're both, uh, I mean, yeah, we both claim Utah. I love it. I have never been... So, you know, need to come. My husband played golf in Utah last year and has fallen deeply in love and continues to talk about how we're going as a family. So we need to get your way soon. Anytime. Please let us host you. We will show you around. It's it's an it's a magical place. Look, we've lit we've lived a couple of different places, California, Oregon, Washington, and Utah calls us back. 
I love it. I love it. Um, a book that you love to get in the hands of others, something that's made a big impact in your life. There's two books. There's two main books that I is I recommend to pretty much anybody I come across. First one is called The Courage to Be Disliked. <laughs> it's a it's a it's it's a allegory of a philosopher and a student. So the read is kind of cheesy, to be honest, but the principles uh, that are contained in it um, changed my life. I, I I used to read it every year. It's been a, it's been about two years since I've read it, but uh, um, I typically read it uh, over and over again just because the principles are so rich, and I can I, I can refresh that. The second one is leadership and self deception: getting out of the box. Have you read that book? I have read that book. That book. <laughs> mm -hmm, that's why I'm laughing. <laughs> my world. Mm -hmm. And uh, and still continues to there. There are very few days that I don't think about that book. Even I mean, especially given the work that I do with clients. But that book opened my mind up to so many things, so many possibilities of how we could relate to each other, mm -hmm. and how we could get some things done together that is meaningful and productive. And uh, I recommend that book to anybody. I don't care if you're in a in a position of leadership or not, which actually you're always in a position of leadership, whether you're leading yourself, your family, your business, your community. But that book will open your eyes to some opportunities, I'm pretty sure. I'm going to reread it. There are some books that, I don't know if you experienced this, there's, there's a couple books that I actually go back to and read once a year. And yeah. I do it really intentionally because every time I read them, I see something so different. And what what lands for me, I have this philosophy of what's caught, not taught. So like what actually I catch that yes. year based yes. on the reference of where I am in my life at that time is yeah. so holistically different. So that one's on the shelf and I haven't pulled it out for a few years. So I'm going pull to get it, it out, you. pull it out. I, you know, what I did recently last year, about halfway through last year, what I decided is I was reading a fair amount. I was retaining very little. Um, you know, I would remember one or two things about a book that I read, which was cool. And then I enjoyed reading them while I was reading them. So I made a decision to actually study. I, I realized I had missed studying. Mm -hmm. And reading is not studying. No, there's there's yeah. chapters I won't even re recall anything from. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> that's right. And so I, I just decided. And so what that looks like for me is one or two books a year and actually study them. Meaning read a paragraph and then go do go cross-reference some things, maybe look up words that I didn't understand or concepts I hadn't heard about. So I'm doing that with the book Rework right now. And um, it's been a totally different experience for me. I'm going through it very slow. It's not about how fast can I get through this book or, you know, got to get on to the next one or any of that sort of stuff. It's like, let me own something in this book that is powerful. That's that's profound. I saw you talking about that on social media recently and the whole concept of studying a book versus reading. And I have that tendency of um, flying through chapters, not retaining. So that's where the caught not taught really comes in. Cause I'm like, okay, I just read that chapter. What did I catch? What am I right. actually taking away from it? But I love the philosophy of actually studying and slowing down and marinating on what what we're actually what's the intent of what's actually being said. 
it's been really fun. I, you know, I loved mostly, I didn't like high school. I loved college. Mm. Not, not for like the grades or any of the other things. I just loved learning to study something and like really dive into it very deep and try to understand it. And this is, that's what it's, it, it has reawakened in that for me. Um, this, this opportunity to stay, I just haven't done it much since college. I mean, you think about life, we, we come out of that environment of that container where it's encouraged and it's celebrated and it's in some ways expected, or, or we at least put that kind of parameter around it. And then we get into life and it's, it's right to action. What are the results? What are you doing? What are you up to? And, you know, there's, it's, it's such a curious, it's just something that I'm going to sit with, which is like, where's the space to study? Mm-hmm. You know, and it's ours to create, but we don't, right? There's so many of us that just start getting into the wheel, the hamster wheel of life after that. Yeah. <laughs> I yeah. love it. I'm going to mention oh, one more, if that's okay. Yeah, go for it. I love conversations. Uh, Meditations books. by Marcus Marcus Aurelius. That book, um, just as you read it, understand that Marcus Aurelius never intended anybody to ever read that book. It was literally his journal. And if you read it with that context... Uh, there is so much, at least for me, there that the, the principles that are contained there have sustained me through some pretty difficult stuff recently. Mm. And um, man, I'm so grateful I studied that book. Mm. One I haven't wet, read. Need to go to it. Yeah, that's yeah. one I'm going to put on my book my book list. So. You, you always have the best books, though. Whenever you're talking about books, whenever you're sharing, it's, you know, there's definitely a depth to the philosophies that you look at the lens of life through. And and I know some of them are, are coming from what you read and what you choose to dive into and study. Yeah. Speaking of, Chad's sitting here with me today on a mic with a poster in the back that says, give a damn, which I love. <laughs> <laughs> and this is a loaded question. How did we get here? How did you and I get to two mics and to give a damn on a podcast show today? What's the journey, Chad? Very, very lucky. Very, very lucky. Uh, there was some work in there too, but man, I feel lucky to do what I do and to be mm-hmm. connected to people like you. Um, is that question, a, is that an invitation for me to share a little of my story? Tell us your story, Chad. Okay, great. <laughs> I didn't want to assume. Um, so I... Uh, you know, there's a lot to tell, but I um, grew up in Utah, as I talked about, and I grew up with a dad that worked construction, hung drywall. He taught me how to work hard. I was in that industry for a long time in an effort to get out of that industry uh, and to make a lot of money and get really rich. I became a real estate investor at the ripe age of 22, something like that. Uh, no experience, uh, no knowledge in it, and uh, got ourselves into some deep water that um, that ultimately was devastating in 2009 with the real estate bubble. Mm-hmm. I won't go into detail, but um, you know, it really woke me up. It shook me at that moment. We had uh, our our first daughter Addison, and then one on the way. And as a provider and as a protector and somebody who was committed to my family uh, in a meaningful way, it really shook my world. I went into a deep, deep depression. And I realized what had happened was is that I was chasing money. 
not fulfillment, not meaning, not making a mark in the world, not, you know, not uh, adding to other people's lives. I just wanted to, you know, be seen and feel rich. Um, and so I decided I would never chase that again. Mm-hmm. And, um, and that reminded me that I was, uh, I loved filmmaking in high school as president of the filmmaking club and uh, just really enjoyed it, but never had thought, hey, this could be a career. This could be, a, you know, a, a path that was for people in Hollywood. And uh, I, who am I, a bumpkin in, in Utah? And anyway, I decided to pursue it and did so, moved out to Southern California, created a video uh, production company and saw some really great success right away. When I say success, meaning um, revenue, uh, high-end clients, we hit the market right at the right time as far as equipment goes, social media was catching Mm. on, video on social media, I should say, was catching on. Um, And we were the small guys that could outperform the big guys for a smaller ticket. And we kicked ass. I mean, it was amazing. We were growing like crazy. Within two years of owning, starting that business, I realized that I had become, I didn't recognize myself. (laughs) Again, Mm -hmm. chasing the money and the fame and the recognition. And what I realized, I mean, at this point, I was traveling over 300 days out of the year. My wife and two little girls, once again, back left behind, back home, a small apartment. And uh, she was essentially, Katie was essentially a single mom. And I just recognized that this doesn't work. This is not what I want. I was miserable. And from the outside, people were looking at me as a company founder, somebody who was successful, somebody who they wanted to be like right? And out there in the industry, speaking from stages and coaching other founders of studios. And, um, and it was all, it was all, uh, I don't want to say it was a lie. It wasn't a lie, but it was, it was all for the wrong reasons. And I wasn't happy. Mm. And that's when I found my, uh, my best friend and brother, Adrian Kaler, and hired him to come in and coach me on how to lead people powerfully. That's the other part of this I didn't mention is that on my team, we had high turnover. People were leaving. We were burning them out. I didn't know how to lead people at all. I, I would work them like tools. And then when they were worn out, we would say goodbye. And we would do this over and over and over again. And I just didn't... I I It was the classic... Uh, experience of founding a company, having a great idea and a lot of hard work and never thinking that that now means I need to lead people in a meaningful way. I just wanted to be successful. And if you're with me, you're with me. Or if you're not, you're not. Mm-hmm. And um, man, I mean, I know you've had Adrian on the show. So if they've listened to that episode, I'm sure it's, I didn't listen to it yet, but I'm sure it's amazing. He came in, flipped my world upside down with one question. The question was, if you were lying to yourself, Chad, would you want to know? Because I had me that question. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Uh Because if I, I had all these stories about how I was a family man and I wanted to make a difference in the world and all of that sort. And he just held a mirror up and he said, hey, look, man, no problem. But 
you're lying. Do you want to see it? And man, that shifted everything for me. Over the next few years, he helped me amicably buy my partner out of that business that wasn't working, sell that business. And now I get to do that same work for other founders. I, I was so deeply affected by it that I, that I knew that that was my next mission in life. And now I've been able to do this for about five years, six years now uh, with other company founders that are in a similar position that have allowed the business to take over their lives, that they don't have the time to do the things that they really say they want to do that would be most meaningful and fulfilling. And they can't see a way to make both work. Mm -hmm. mm. And it's like sacred ground for me. And I just love it. You're incredibly gifted at it. It's uh, There's something so profound about the fact that you were a founder previously. And I'm curious how that has enabled you to see the, let's just call it what it is, the bullshit and the stories yeah. that other founders choose to live in. You know, you, you run a podcast, I've been listening to it. I've actually been binge listening to it. It's been a ton of fun, the Founder League. And uh, we'll link that up in the show notes. But as you're having conversations with founders, how how is it helpful to have the conversations with founders because you've sat in a seat, maybe similar to them at one point in time? How has that yeah. been helpful for you? Uh, that's everything, I think, for me to be able to do the work that I'm doing. You know, I love Carl Jung. And so much of his theories and philosophies have impacted my life. One of those is our ability to, our, 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 the encouragement for us to explore our dark side, to go into the dark corners of our minds, of our personalities, of our beliefs, and recognize that I'm capable of darkness. And once I accept that, then I can be free from it. Mm -hmm. But as I'm resisting that darkness, as I'm resisting that, that thing that I don't want to admit is part of me, it persists. What, what we resist persists. And there was a lot of darkness in me in that experience of being a founder and realizing what was actually motivating me and what it, what havoc that was causing for my family, for the humans that decided to jump on board with me. And so once I was willing to recognize it, and it look, it's still part of me. It's not like it's gone. It will always be part of me, but it no longer has me. It no longer can control me because I'm friends with it. Like that's part of me. That's who I am. I can be that. Like call me an asshole. Yes, you're right. I can be an asshole and I'm okay with that. Not like I'm, I want to be, but, but I'm, I'm friends with it. Right. And that's what's going on with these other, with these founders that I get to work with is that there's just something about them that they're resisting. And if mm -hmm. I can be an invitation for them to befriend that and recognize it, then we're good. Then they can move past it. It no longer has them like a prisoner. They have it like a tool. Mm -hmm. They can use that to go then make an impact, which is exactly what I'm doing. 
All I'm doing is revealing myself to these people and then making an invitation for them to do the same. It's it's what I encourage leaders to do with their teams. It's like, reveal your darkness, man. Mm-hmm. Show up for who you are and people will trust you. Yeah. I'm so curious to, let's, let's, you know, let's double click on that one a little bit and go a little further in that, that philosophy, you know, I witness in myself and then I witness in, in many around me. I mean, this is you and I had a, I have a, I have a moment that's anchored in my life forever. That was you standing beside me as I was moving through a new awareness of a darkness I didn't see. Mm -hmm. And I will remember that for the rest of my life. And I'm forever grateful for that, that moment. And if I'm reflecting back on that moment, which I have done an entire episode on the Revenant process and my love for it and my experience through it, which I will definitely link up for those that are that are curious about what it is that we're talking about and how Chad and I originally met, which was in a hotel room. I shouldn't say that, in a hotel boardroom <laughs> in, in Boise, Idaho. And uh, with 40 other entrepreneurs or founders or people who were just curious about betterment in life. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it was, it was positioned by Adrian as a leadership accelerator. And I didn't know what the heck that meant. I'd been in a lot of rooms before in terms of uh, leadership development. There was likely a chip of ego on my shoulder that I had done some of this work before. And, and so therefore, you know, how was this four days going to be different than any of the past experience I, I had had? And little did I know I was about to go through an incredible journey that would help me see some of the darkness that I was blind to. And that's my curiosity. And just to chat about it a little bit is a lot of the things that are tripping me up and the things that are slowing me down and the things that are my Achilles heel are spots, blind spots I don't see. Mm -hmm. And I'm so curious to get your perspective around just that in your own life and then just like you said, Adrian had held an opportunity to hold a mirror to your face so you could see some of the darkness. What does that look like? Because I experience it daily and I see it daily in humans I work with. Yeah. It's it's a conversation about feedback, right? Are we... Feedback is always there. There's never not feedback. That's The universe is so generous with us because it's willing to consistently and constantly give us feedback. Now, do we accept the gift? Sometimes. Uh, I think the practice is to accept it more and more. Can I share a quick story? Always. We love stories. Tell us all the stories. (laughs) So I have a, I have a little boy named Milo. He's 10 years old and he's, he's such a relational giant. Um, I, I'm blown away by this kid all the time about what he says to me as it pertains to relationships. And um, I had a I had a trip a couple weeks ago. I was, I was gone for the whole week and uh, work trip. Came home, and when I came home, it was a Saturday, and my family. Milo's a break dancer. He's part of this break dance studio. And we've been getting to know some of the families in this breakdance studio and the really cool people. And it's really shaping up to be a really beautiful community that we didn't expect to come from being a part of this breakdance studio. Anyway, they had, while I was out of town, they had gone to this family's home and uh, had a blast. 
everything about it. Their house is cool. The their dad is so cool. He's an artist and he he does this anime and he's super successful in it and he sells it all over the world and and they just had a they played really great games and all of this sort of stuff and I get home on Saturday morning and all I hear about is this family and this guy and this blah 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 and uh, not one of my not not one of my moments that I'm particularly proud of. But we're in the car, we're driving as a family. I pull up to the house. They're still talking about uh, about this experience, and I just said, "Hey, can we stop talking about this family for like five minutes?" And and Milo goes, "Dad, are you jealous?" And I was like, "No, I'm not jealous. I'm just." whatever i'm tired and i've been traveling and i'm sick of hearing about it and i just want to relax and talk to you guys about something different blah 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 right right this whole cover-up thing mm -hmm. and um and then in a quiet moment a day later or so i realized oh my gosh i was feeling jealous i was feeling i don't know if jealousy or envious en envy or or what it was, but there was something that was eating at me that made me feel inferior to the experience they they had had at with this family. And um, the feedback came from my 10-year-old son, and I will never forget that lesson. He showed me a dark side. He showed me a shadow that I had not been willing to explore up until then. Mm. And the beautiful part of it was I'm really committed to sharing my process with my family, people that I care about, not just my family. And so dinner, dinner that night, we were sitting at the table and I said, can I tell you guys something that's really uncomfortable? Like, I, I feel really embarrassed. They're like, yeah, of course, yeah, tell us, whatever. And I was like, you know, the other day when Milo asked me if I was jealous and I shook it off, um, I, I was. That's exactly what I was experiencing. And unfounded, wasn't needed, you know, whatever, blah, 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 blah. But I just wanted to let you guys know that's what it was. And and uh, that that's something that I'm taking a look at. Mm. And uh, it, the feedback comes at us all the time. We don't know where it's going to come from. If we're willing to look at it, then, and and the willingness is like a curiosity. Like, I wonder what that's about without judgment. As soon as we judge it, we can't see it, or we, at least we can't use it. We, we may be able to see it, but we're going to discount it the way I did in the, in the beginning of the story, right? And um, so I'm just so, I, I just, I, I'm so grateful that the world and our life has a way, this this universe has a way of just showing us what's not working and the darkness that that exists and, and gives us every opportunity to befriend it so that we can use it. Mm. It's so profound. It's such a powerful story. Um, one, I want to meet Milo. Two, I want to see him break dance. <laughs> and, uh, you know, there's, there's such a... I have seven-year-old twin girls. And the way in which they see the world mm. is, has been one of my greatest gifts 
on this earth is just to witness them, witness the world and witness them, give me feedback and witness them explore. And we've started this, this new thing as a family where instead of, uh, for majority of their first four or five years, it was mom or dad hopping on a plane and kids would stay home because of just the, the travel, the trying to travel with two young babies. And it just, became chaos. Uh, and so we didn't travel a lot together and we made a commitment, you know, about 18 months ago that, that this was the phase of our life that we traveled together, that, you know, if mom's going for business, you're coming to, and you're going to see what mom does. And if dad's going, we're going to, with the exception of obviously there's times that we're going on our own for our own journey. Um, but we made a commitment to to bring them with us and, watching them witness the world and get curious about the world for things that they have never seen before. And yet this just deep wisdom of intuition or this deep knowingness of things that we never taught them before in our family that they're getting curious about has reminded me about being curious. It has reminded me about the power of play Mm. and how that can really open us up as humans. And so I hear you when you say Milo is wise and allows opportunity for feedback. What a gift for you as a as a human, as a parent, as a father to just see it through his eyes too. Oh, such a gift. And your girls are so cute. I'm so jealous of the hockey life. Come on. We, we're the kid. We're such the typical Canadian family <laughs> hanging out playing hockey all weekend and grabbing our Tim Hortons coffee if you've ever been to Canada that's of like a, a staple and uh we're lo- we're loving this stage of witnessing them just explore whatever creativity art music sport and it's fun for us to just witness the world through their eyes and how that opens up our eyes to things we didn't see before. Yeah. I'm curious. Mm -hmm. Can I ask you a question? Always. Is there any feedback that life's offering you right now that's been interesting or tough? Yeah. Great question. I think my, I think this constant loop that shows up for me is this question mark of, who I feel I need to be in a moment instead of just being. Mm. And this isn't new. And there's a lot of times, Chad, where I'm like, oh, I feel like I've got this one. I've, I've, somebody's shown me this one and I've done the work and therefore Mm. we're beyond this. That ego can really show up and rear its head sometimes when, when that comes around. And yet I think it's a constant uncovering for me of, Every, I would say every couple months, it shows up in a really interesting way in my life. My ego likes to, uh, likes to step up and, and I'm just being reminded of that in the last couple of weeks of what facade or what mask did I put on here? Yeah. You know, and that's something that even, even with this podcast, with this show, it's been something I've been really committed to of just like in times where I feel inspired, turn the darn mic on and just yeah. talk. Don't have a script and don't have questions all prepped. And, you know, there's times that I like to have some preparation done for guests. And there's times I just want to sit here and be with you and have a conversation and allow people to come on the journey. Yeah. And You're so good who- at it too. Like oh. even your solo episodes, I'm just like, dang, that's, that is 
beautiful that you're willing to just turn that on and just, I love it. And it's, thank you for that received. Thank you. It's, yeah. uh, you know, there was a story for a long time around, um, you know, from childhood, what do you have to look like? How do you have to show up? Who do you have to be in this scenario? Whether, you know, it's my sports or my schooling, or when I got into a business life and I, you know, ran the, ran the rings of a, of a corporate track and became an executive at 28, right? I was a female. I was 28 years old and I was VP of HR of a major company. And so the belief in the stories I created of who I had to be in order to be the right word is, uh, it's not valid, but in order to be accepted at the table that I was sitting at yeah, to belong, to belong. Thank you. Uh, was wild. And so yeah. as I've been on this journey of just self-discovery and understanding what, what are some of those dark spots within myself, I'll always remember the hug, the cactus, right? Got to get comfortable with being uncomfortable in some of the areas that feel a little icky. And for me, it's, it's this constant, like, what cape do I need to take off? What mask do I need to let go of? How can I just be more myself mm. and trust that the humans that connect with that energy are going to inevitably be drawn to it and those that it's not for that's okay too so that's the thing that keeps showing up for me is how do i continue to strip the mass yeah is uh it's been a, a lifelong journey for me yeah it's so powerful i was it, this is reminding me i was at a, an event last night with a bunch of men and one of the guys there shared uh, a, an interesting thought. I, I thought it was very interesting. He he was talking about little kids. He said, you got little kids, right? Um, when is their favorite time of the day? And oh. it's the morning. The morning. Right. <laughs> like exactly. Eyes when wide open. Up. What are we going to do today? Let's go. I got things to do. And mm. what's their least favorite part of the day? Bedtime. Going to bed. And then you take an adult. What's their favorite part of the day? Going, going to, to bed, bed. <laughs> their least favorite part of the day, waking up in the morning, not necessarily true for me, but the, the point is well taken. His point was the difference to him. He said, the difference to me, I think is that kids live their entire existence, just being themselves. So they're so excited to wake up and just go be themselves in this crazy wild world that has so much to discover and adults are wake up with the with some sort of semblance of the thought, who do I have to be today? What outfit, what outfit do I have to put on for the context of the thing that I'm doing? Blah, 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 blah. Who do I need to impress? Who do I need to placate? Who do I, you know? And I I just thought that was such a a powerful way of looking at it, of yeah. I wonder what it looks like to like wake up every day and just be me like unapologetically me. I don't know. I don't know what that looks like. Same. I've, I, I'm, I, I'm playing in that space of getting curious again around it. Yep. Uh, and that's, that's really, it's, it's this constant. I'm actually curious to get your perspective observations, philosophy around when does that change? Mm. When does when do we go from exploring the world in that childlike energy 
to what I'll use as this is language that resonates with me. I'd love to hear language that resonates with you, but it's almost like the conditioned patterns that turn on that suggest that I now need to be the good girl. I now need to be the athlete. I now need to be the uh, person who continued to get A's in schools. Now I need to be the corporate HR person. And I had all these like titles and facades and it was, you know, Jackie in a, in a corporate setting versus Jackie hanging out with her friends on the weekend were two different human beings. Yeah. Like, what yes. is that? And yeah. I'm just so curious for you and your observations of working with humans and human behavior. Like when do we, when does that dial change and get inverted that way? What have you yeah. seen? Well, it's, it's so interesting, right? I think for me, and this is just like my armchair <laughs> perspective on it, my armchair take on it, and it's influenced by some philosophy, but um, I think you were right on when you called it conditioning. And I think it's over time. I don't think there's a moment. Mm. And something that I talk with my clients a lot about is the survival brain. When do we look? Think whatever, whatever power or whatever the universe, God, think whatever that we have survival built into us. Because otherwise, you know, if we didn't have fear, I wouldn't be alive because I would want to go like jump off a cliff with a squirrel suit on and I wouldn't know how to fly the thing. Mm -hmm. Right. And so thank God that we have that there. However, it's overplayed. The survival brain is overplayed and how it's developed. I think if I look at my own personal experience and a lot of the, the studies that have been done on human behavior is that each of those things are etched in in a moment of survival. Mm -hmm. Whether it's we want love or we want protection or we want, you know, uh, something else like the, 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 um, the lizard brain only has two missions in life. Only two. That's it. The first one is to stay alive. The second one is to preserve energy to stay alive. That's it. And so when something happens that looks like death, like am I not going to get loved or am I not going to be accepted or am I vulnerable, we put in place these little things and we try them out. Right as a kid, somebody tells you that, uh, "Hey, that outfit's stupid. Well, your your shirt looks stupid, Jackie." Mm -hmm. And the brain goes, "Oh shit, I'm not going to survive because I'm a tribal creature that needs other humans, needs their love, and I need to belong with them. And so, if I'm rejected." I won't survive. And so I can't wear this shirt anymore. And I start looking around to see what other people are wearing so that I can make sure that I can belong and that I can survive. And so I start wearing that type of clothing. And I think we just do that over and over and over and over again. It's like, if I'm, if I know I need love to survive and I notice that I get attention from a parent or a sibling or somebody that I, you know, that attention I mistake as love when I'm playing sports or doing well in sports. Well, guess what? Shit. I got to do well in sports because mm -hmm. I got to survive. I got to get that love. And, uh, and so I think it's just this, 
journey of adding more and more and more and more stories in the survival mode until we're formed into this anxious, fearful, <laughs> desiring creature. So that sounds so much more fun to be a kid. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I couldn't agree more. I think, I think it's a stack. I think you're so right in terms of, it's not one moment. It's this, this like constant, like slow drip. Like think about the drip of a, um, on a faucet. It's that constant, just slow drip. And then how we anchor beliefs and our perspective in life against all of those. So yeah. I can't wear that shirt or that shirt means this about me. And therefore I need to look like this and dress like this and be like this in order to be accepted and belong. And then at some point in time, it almost just becomes who we are. We don't even remember that that was a moment that created that drip, which created that story. And, yeah. you know, I can imagine, I mean, we're having the conversation right now, and I know how many founders, some of which we've had the privilege of working with together. I know how many leaders you get to work with on a day-to-day -day basis. And I'm so curious for you when you're having conversations with founders and there's the facade, there's the armor, there's the, you know, maybe there's some resistance to looking in the mirror, or if you start to pull at a string, you can feel the resistance or the pushback. How knowing that you come from a place of service and that you, you truly want the best for every individual you work with. I'm so curious how you work through the resistance of us as human beings when we're like, nope, nope, no thanks. Don't want to look at that today. Put that mirror <laughs> away, Chad. I don't want to see that side of it today. What yeah. does that look like for you? How do you continue to stand with individuals who are working through that hardship of maybe wanting to look left when the mirror's on the right? There's a line of inquiry that you can go down with anybody, even with yourself, when there's resistance in looking at what's actually there. And, you know, results don't lie. Mm. The results that you're creating in the world, in your life, just like if we go back to my story about how I was building this business, this film business, but I'm a I'm a family man. You know, Adrian's questions to, question to me, if you were lying to yourself, would you want to know, was clearly based on the results I created in my life. That's the only way he knew I was lying, is he was just looking at the results I had created. And so that inquiry is actually a opening for the brain. And it's an opportunity to take a look. It's not, it's not an accusation hey, you're lying. It's an invitation to ask, are you open to the idea that you might be lying to yourself? I don't know this to be true, but are you at least open to that idea? And who's going to say, you know, I have had people say, but those aren't the people I want to work with. But everybody that I work with, and this is some of the filtering we do, right? Is to gauge the, the level of openness to question the stories that they're living in. If they're unwilling to question the stories that we're living in, nobody can make them do that. And I'm not interested in that conversation until they are. But that inquiry is a, an unlock in the brain, at least it was for me, and I've seen it happen for a lot of my clients, is that level and that type of inquiry is like, well, wait a second. Would I want to know? Yeah, I think I'm, I, I think, you know, I want to live a life of truth. 
I want to live a life uh, of honesty and you know, that's sort of, so I think I would want to know if I was lying now, now we have a ball game. Now we can go. Okay, great. Awesome. So glad you're open. Take a look at the results. If you were just, if you were outside of your body, observing your life, the results that you have in your life, you, you left all of your beliefs behind, you left all everything. And you were just a, a neutral observer of your life based on the results that you have. What would you say is important to you? And that's a pretty eye-opening experience. Mm -hmm. Right? If you're willing to like do it honestly and go at it honestly, because that's going to show you, oh my gosh, what I'm committed to shows up. The results that I have is shows me what I'm committed to. And now, great. Now let's have a conversation about what you say you want and what it's going to take to actually create that. Mm. And so that line of questioning, we can bring them into to question, like bring them into curiosity. We got to remove all of the um, judgments that uh, we have for where we are and the decisions that we've made and whether they're judgments like uh, negative or positive the more we can remove ourselves from those judgments and notice them and detach them from what we've done, what we've, what we, what we have, right. It's not most of what we have or have done is not good or bad. It just is. It's just, it's circumstances. Circumstances are neutral. When I learned that, that blew my mind. That's huge. It's That's just landed for me. We put on the circumstance that is everything right? That's what, it's so vogue to talk about trauma right now. And and look, trauma is a real thing, but it's not what most people think it is. Trauma is the meaning you put on the event, not the event itself. Mm-hmm. No problem. No judgment in that. It's not like you're bad because you put a, a negative meaning on it. Like, especially if you're a kid and something terrible happens to you, of course, survival, you're going to put that meaning on it. But how freeing is it to go, oh, wow, that doesn't mean that I'm unlovable. That doesn't mean that I don't belong. That doesn't mean that I'm worthless. It only means that this shitty thing happened to me and that's a terrible person or a terrible circumstance or whatever. And I could put a new meaning on it. We regain the, the power. We take back that control. That's right. Yeah. It's powerful. I'm so curious to, I'm sure you've seen it all, but what unlocks for people when they're willing to go there? When they're oh. willing to sit in that curiosity and openness to look in the mirror or hug a cactus or just get really curious about some of the areas of their lives that may or not may not be holding them back but what unlocks when they just get curious accountability period they are now accountable for the world they live in mm. and what's beautiful if we want to talk about a leader when a leader gets to that level of accountability for themselves, they then start to build a team who accounts in the same way. So 
whenever we start working with, whenever I start working with somebody, typically they've got all of these reasons and circumstances and excuses of why they didn't hit this mark or they're not creating this result or this, the team's not whatever, but it fill in the blank. You've all heard the stories. And we ultimately, the entire process is coming to a place of saying, I contributed to this. I either tolerated it or I created it. Once they're there, that's the power, right? You say taking the power back. That is the whole essence of my work with leaders. To take their power back, meaning be accountable for the results they have in their business and in their life and in their family. And then once that accountability is in place for them, they go and create it on the team almost automatically. Now we can help with, we do help with skills and conversational tools and, you know, all of that sort of stuff. But ultimately that commitment to accounting, and it's not holding people accountable. That's a distinction we make. We don't hold people accountable. We create a culture of accounting. Mm -hmm. Right? Because it's got to be from them, just the way I did with the leader. You know, if I'm working with the CEO, and the CMO, it's got to come from the CMO, not from the CEO. Otherwise, we're just playing that same game of using them as a tool. And that that is what comes from being willing to look at the reality that you've created in your life and then realize that you you contributed to it. One of the things that I took away from our training last year together is one, I asked myself this question Two, it's now a conversation at our dinner table. How did you contribute to that situation? Yes. The conversation with my seven-year-olds <laughs> and mom being honest about how I contributed to the situation that just unfolded has completely changed that my kids are now asking the question before I do. Yeah. Mom, how so did you great. contribute to the situation? It's a part of our language and- Oh, that's it amazing. has completely unlocked a different dynamic within our household. And I sense in my own views, and, and obviously my children and my husband are having their own experience of it, but I just sense this different layer of less blame and shame, less guilt, more us solving problems together, us coming together to to find the common ground, us coming together to accept each other fully. And if if nothing else that my kids take from their childhood, I hope that's the question they take. I really yeah. do. I mean that yeah. holistically. Yeah. More power, right? There's yes. so much power in that because it's, it's no longer out there, it's here. Yeah. And when I say power, some people get tripped up by power. I don't mean power over people. I mean potency. Your your potency, your impact increases. That's the power I'm talking about. Because now you control what's up. You control the results or at least contribute to the and create the results and that's power. Mm. I know a few weeks ago you were just with the team who we both have the privilege of doing some work with. And you're sitting with an executive team who has embraced and really cultivated this way of thinking. And you and Dan Takini have been side by side them this entire journey. 
I'm so curious what you witness when a team gets this, when an actual team in an environment who are standing for something get this, what is true then? Well, um, doubling revenue is pretty spectacular. <laughs> the, res the results. Yeah. <laughs> More money in the bank. <laughs> that helps. <laughs> that usually happens. Um, and besides that, people are connected. And ultimately, look, all we're doing all this for is so that we can connect with each other. Like business, markets, leadership, employment, blah, 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 blah. I mean, I get that most of you think you're doing it for money, but what do you want the money for? You want to connect. You want to belong. You want to be with people in relationship. And when a team gets this lay, this way of relating to each other, like I'm accountable, we're all accountable, man, that fulfillment, the, you know, the desire to be in, entrenched in the work goes through the roof. The quality of work goes up. The production goes up. The, uh, the communication moves at the speed of trust. Trust is high. And the right kind of trust, meaning mature trust, is high um, because... They're willing, you know, the, 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 the saying uh, that came out of that uh, offsite that I was with on this team that you're, you're referring to, they came out of that, or, or very beginning of the, of the offsite, the saying came out, just say it. Because people in, in the beginning were holding some things back. They were trying to, to dress it up to be, you know, all nice and blah, 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 blah. And a, a couple of people just said, just say it, just say it. And that became the theme of the week. And it was so good. And now they've taken that and put it into the culture. Just say it. We can handle it. Well, if it's messy, we can clean it up after you say it. And that starts to make things... I, founders don't understand how fast work could be done and how fast relationships can build with that kind of trust and bravery, courage. It, most don't understand. It's wild what a team can get done when they're willing to just say it. It's potent. Yeah. Yeah. Wow, I love that. One more question here because I know it's it's near and dear to your heart. A lot of founders that I talk to are unaware, unsure of the direction they're heading. They're unclear about the vision. They're unclear about why they do what they do. Mm -hmm. And I'm curious for you, when you hold space for a founder who I'm sure once you get in, you start inquiring, some of that comes out where they're like, you know what? I don't even know why I'm here, what I'm doing or the direction I'm going in or what I'm trying to aim for. We talked a lot about aim when we were together in Idaho. Mm -hmm. I'm so curious how you open up the lens for leaders to start to get clarity on the direction they're heading and then how they then create their life around that. Well, it's, it's a wild experience founding something, isn't it? <laughs> yes. I've been doing it for eight years. And <laughs> because it is wild. You have this thing that you've 
created out of your own, out of thin air, you've created this thing and you decide you're going to offer it to the world and you think it's a good idea, but you don't quite know until you get it out there and there's some feedback coming back to you. And then all of a sudden the feedback is good and you're getting busy and all of a sudden it's kind of taken over and you got to get a team involved and because you can't deliver as much if you don't have other people going with you. And so now you're bringing other people onto this idea that you created out of nothing. And now their livelihood is dependent on this thing and their family's livelihood is dependent on this thing. And then all of a sudden you've got a huge bank of customers who's really relying on this thing or clients who are really relying on this thing to make whatever happen in their lives that they're they're looking to make happen. And so it just it's a it's an a machine that just sometimes it just goes without realizing what's happening and then pretty soon you're running this thing and you're leading human beings and it's like I call it the accidental leader. All of a sudden you're an accidental leader and now what? And the opportunity, I, I, I meet so many founders who don't have a clear vision of what they're up to because they got so entrenched in the day-to-day -day of making this thing like compound and build and build and taking care of people and taking care of, uh, taking care of their teams and customers and all of a sudden they're realizing, where is this going? I don't know where this is going. I have this conversation over and over and over again. Or sometimes they have a really clear idea of where they want it to go. But they don't know how to make that vision actionable by themselves. And they don't know how to enroll a team into that vision and make it actionable for them. And that's the key. The vision is nothing unless it can be acted upon. Mm. So there's so many people, there's so many founders out there that have this beautiful picture of where they want to go. But does your do your managers know that vision and do they know how to act on it? And are they committed to it? Does your executive is your executive team there? Is your fulfillment team there? And that's when you, you know, that's kind of the litmus test. You could start to ask yourself, is this a vision that drives action and, and something we're going to create? Or is this just a nice idea? Nice ideas or dreams, they don't have to be, they can't, they're, they're not necessarily actionable. A vision is scaled through the, through the organization and everybody knows how to act on it. And the second part of that is, is that everybody on the team has a personal vision, something they want in life. And a, an effective vision in a company is aligned and contributes to each individual player's personal vision. If it doesn't, they will be discontent and there will be, there will be uh, a challenge there for them. Mm -hmm. So... Can that vision be adopted by everybody who's in this together? And do they see how it contributes to what they want in their life? Even if this is just a stepping stone for them, even if this is just a place for them to land for a little while, 
Do you know where they're going? And do you know how the vision of your company contributes to theirs? That becomes an actionable vision and something that everybody will rally to create. And not just a beautiful poster in the boardroom. <laughs> That's right. That's Which right. I have seen many of. <laughs> many, many times. And the thing here that that just resonates so deeply with me and that you know, I have this philosophy that leaders create leaders. And it's just something that's kind of stuck with me through my entirety of my career. And I see so often, you know, you might ask a question along the lines of, to a leader, hey, your CMO, do you know what they're up to in life, what they want to create in their life? And the amount of times that the answer is no, because mm -hmm. we're not opening or holding space for that level of conversation, I would say it's nine times out of 10. It's rare yeah. for me to have a conversation with a leader who's actually opening and holding the space to have the level of depth with the other humans sitting across the table from them to say, hey, what are you up to in life? What do you want in life? What are, what's your vision for your life? So that we can connect that. And that's been, I've been pondering that a lot lately on yeah. how to articulate that and say, hey, leaders, we need to wake up. Like it is a responsibility and and to have that level of conversation. And I can't tell you how grateful I am to have you and take new ground, Dan and Adrian in my corner, because more teams, more leaders, more humans need you in their corner. Yeah, I I mean... I don't have to tell you. I tell you all the time. I feel the same way about having you in our corner. <laughs> you are unbelievable at what you do. I know that you get our work. And so when we can work with a client together, man, it's magic. Because it we can fun. understand what the aim is. And we can, our visions are aligned with theirs. And ah, man, it's just, it's such, it's so great. It, it's even the people that you partner with, if you're listening to this and you've founded something and meaningful, even the part people that you're partnering with, right? If you if you partner with Jackie to help you find the best talent in the world for your adventure, make sure that your vision contributes to hers and hers contributes to yours. That's right. And then magic can happen. It just works. And you will find the best people because there's understanding there. Um, so anyway, I, I mm. thank you for that. I receive it and I just feel the exact same way. Tad, we could, we could do this for hours and I have no I doubt we will continue. I can't um, believe our time's up. I know. I am so grateful for the, just the energy that you've poured in and just honestly holding space to have this, this level of conversation with me. And this is the level of conversation you get with Chad. There is no other, other level of conversation. We're going there. We're going deep. You're going real. Um, if you want to find out more about what Chad's up to and what he's doing in the world, Chad, talk to us. Where can they find you? What is the best way to connect with you? Um, my new project founders league podcast is I'm having a blast with, uh, I interview typically founders. They're not always founders, um, but it's something interesting for founders to listen to. Had some amazing guests on it's brand. We launched it in October and, um, I'm just having a blast with it. And it's a, the way that I look at it is it's a place for founders to come and relate to the experience of founding something. And um, we talk about challenges and 
failures and risks and we do challenges around certain topics and it's it's been a blast so you check it out there um and uh it's on all podcast platforms and then youtube and um yeah i mean that's that's the best place to find me instagram too i'm there a lot and linkedin beauty we'll tag everything up in the show notes it's just one click away you can connect with chad let let us know what uh, resonated with you in this episode and uh we have a couple of revenant processes coming up with take new grounds. So I'll make sure to link that in as well. I know I'm going to be in LA at the end yes. of April, and I'm so looking forward to being back in the room with you and with other founders, leaders who are looking to continue to unlock what's next for them. Yeah. I'm so excited. Lots of good stuff coming up. Chad, thank you again. And to those that are listening, thanks for tuning in and we'll see you again on the Jackie Server show. Thank you for listening in to today's show. If there was a key message that landed with you, please share or send us a direct message on Instagram at Jackie Service and let us know. We love hearing from you. Also, to continue to keep this podcast growing, it would mean the world if you could take a minute and like and rate the show or share it with a friend. Our team is forever grateful. Until next time, we'll see you again on the Jackie Service Show.